Melnick in the afternoon. Listen live weekdays from 3 to 7 on TSN 690. Saw a backhander turned aside by Bishop. Now it's Taves around. Back to Keith again. Shoved it over to Hosa. Gets it over to Well, it was a great play, it was a great goal, and all of a sudden you get momentum, and it's a, uh, you know, it's had uh, two games in a row, we had the lead, uh, but short-lived both times, and, uh, you know, two tough losses in a row. And Callahan topped it across, and here leads Hedman. Hedman brought it on, drifted. Let a center, he passed it, they score! It's Buckhead! And the score is created to lightning on the goal by Cedric Buckhead with 3.11 to go. The man that won the faceoff, Cedric Paquette. Callahan does a nice job controlling with his skates. He finds that aggressive headman. The man that won the faceoff, he's about to make it 3-2 Tampa. You at any point thought about taking him out of this game? I thought he was excellent, and no. Because... <laughs> <laughs> we're used to the short answer, were well, you? Well, no, frankly not. A little disappointed. Jeez. Um, <laughs> a little disappointed there, John. My goodness, smack that guy, whoever he is. Welcome back. Hour number three, Melnick in the afternoon, TSN 690 with Rod Francis, Mitch Gallo, David Trent Dewey helping us out. We're going to Chicago. Chicago is the Wrigley Building. Chicago is. Hockey insider Pierre Maguire brought to you by the Old Orchard Pub. Five locations with a six now open in Chattagee and by Dagwood Sandwiches and Salads. Good afternoon, Pierre. How you doing? Very well, Mitch. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What are your thoughts after watching that and you know the the Palat goal and all again as Joel was asked, Joel Quenville was asked, Rod pointed out earlier in the show, it's happened ten times this postseason where the opposition has scored within two minutes of the Blackhawks scoring. It's kind of odd. Very odd. But it speaks to maybe having a short bench on defense. It speaks to maybe Corey Crawford not being as reliable as he needs to be. It's not so much about the excellent saves that he makes. It's about some of the porous goals that he gives up. Um, the Callahan goal, even though it's a brilliant shot by Brendan and an amazing, or by Ryan, I should say, and an amazing pass um, by Victor Hedman, that's a stoppable puck. Oh, yes, it's a one on two from a bad angle. Just stand up and be on angle and there's no way that puck's going in. That's number one. And then, obviously, the Palat goal is not a good goal. Uh, that's just not a good goal. So in the last two games, you've given up four bad goals. You can't have that and expect to win in the Stanley Cup final. That's a big, big problem. But uh, there are other uh, players. What what was the stat that Ray threw out an hour ago? It's like between – like Paquette's outscored. He's outscored Taze, Kane, and, and Hosa. Right? That's not okay. something you could have foreseen. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll just throw out another stat at you. Go look at what Jonathan Taves did in the Western Conference Final and go look at what he did in the last two games. I did, listen, I'm just telling you, 
I've lived this dream before with the Chicago Blackhawks, and I've lived it with these elite players here. Everybody's prepared to throw them over the bridge. And then all of a sudden they get going, and everybody's like, oh, I never said that. I would be really careful writing off the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, who's writing off the Blackhawks? Who who's oh writing gosh. off? Come on. Anybody oh who is my gosh, in, so well, many people. Well, especially where you are because they're fans. Like I I don't know, you know, but in terms of media and professional media people, I mean that's they they haven't watched the Chicago Blackhawks win their championships the way they come back if they're writing them off. That is correct, sir. And that's what I'm telling you. Uh let's go let's go back to 2013. Down three games to one to Detroit, winning overtime in Game Seven in Chicago. Down two games to one to the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup Final. Go back and win in Game Six in Boston. Uh, earlier this playoff season, look at what happened in the Nashville series and how they came from behind. Look at what happened in the Anaheim series after they lost Game Three. They were down two games to one. They came back and won a Game Six and a Game Seven on the road uh, in blowout style careful, and I don't mean you, but people that think Chicago's done and their star players can't play, careful. I've seen this too many times. I'm t- I'll never forget doing Chicago radio back in 2013. Taze had done nothing. Zetterberg was devouring him, devour- just crushing him. And people were like, Jonathan Taze is overrated. Jonathan Taze is no good. Jonathan Taze is this. Jonathan Taze. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about, and I don't know what you've been watching. He, he's going to end up being a huge factor for this team. And sure enough, that's what he does. This is, I would be really careful. Yeah, there's a reason these are seven game series. I mean, that's, there's, it's amazing how things usually end up the way they're supposed to or pretty close to it. Once again, Joel Quenville after the game. What's your take on what Bishop looked like at times in terms of his laboring? Nah, he looks like he's got some issues, but you know, I think that we, we still didn't put a puck, enough pucks at the net. Uh, and uh, traffic, obviously, but certainly uh, that later in the game there, we made it easier. All right, that is uh, Pierre Lebrun, who will join us after six from Chicago as well. What, what do you make of the whole situation, Pierre? It's kind of bizarre. We know that there's something wrong with him. The Blackhawks know there's something wrong with him. Uh, and yet, you know, they couldn't beat a guy who is clearly favoring one side of his body. I know I talked with you yesterday. I walked into the building with him. He was fine. When he spoke with me and he told me there were no issues, after the game was over, after I was done my interviews, and after he was done his interviews, we talked by the Tampa Bay bench. I saw that. Virtual. Oh, you did see it? Okay. I, yeah, I saw it. On the, you were in the background of another shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he came over and he wanted to say, okay, let's chat. So we did. He was, I'm telling you now, I, I see the same thing you people see. So I know there's something wrong. But I'm telling you, he he's fine. I mean, Maybe physically it looks like he's laboring, and maybe there is an issue, but mentally there are no issues. There are no issues. He's not complaining about anything, and he's like, let's get going. I can't wait for game four. So so Mitch Gallo thinks this could be a whole – this could be a, a you know just a big head game. Do you think that- – I'm not prepared to say that because I don't speculate on any injury stuff, but all I can do is go by what he says to me, and he says he's fine. So I'm sticking with that. Okay. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. All right. So um, Patrick Sharp, you want to break down the, the winning goal for us and, and what Patrick Sharp didn't do and uh, what's wrong with Patrick Sharp? Well, first of all, everybody's picking on Patrick Sharp. I'm not sure people really watched the tape because that's Kyle Kaminsky. Now, if you you didn't see the interview I did with Ryan Callahan, 
Callahan's expecting Kyle Comiskey to pinch down there. That's what Chicago does if the buck comes around the boards. But instead, Comiskey bats, backs off. And because he backs off, Callahan can make a play from his skate to his stick and then move the puck to the middle of the ice to Victor Hedman. Now, it's a face-off that's won by, by Tampa. So because of that, you have to decide what Chicago's play is on that. Now, sometimes there's an aggressive play, and sometimes there's a regressive play or a retreat kind of a play. Um, I didn't talk to anybody in Chicago about what their philosophy was in that situation. But Comiskey, who doesn't have a lot of confidence, and that probably should have been Johnny O'Dea on the ice, but because of the injury, he probably wasn't out there. Instead of him pinching down, he looked like he was going to pinch down, then he backed off. That gave Callahan time and space to make the play from a skate to a stick. Then, obviously, Victor Hedman jumps in and goes around the defense with his brilliant speed and playmaking ability, and he finds Cedric Paquette. Comiskey had a stick off the ice for a millisecond, and that probably allowed the puck to get through to the inside part of the ice, and Sharp was slow reacting, getting back. But there were a lot of breakdowns on that. But number one, I think it was a young player that just doesn't have a lot of confidence, was probably afraid to pinch down there and give up an odd man rush. Was Oduya hurt on that slew foot penalty by Kucherov? I would say yes. I would say absolutely yes. That's that's like that's kind of a that's that's a bad, dumb, dangerous penalty. As I said, after he did that accidentally on purpose. That's what I said on TV. So, I'm standing right there. I'm standing right next to it. I watched the whole thing. It's behind the play, and I'm watching it, and that's one of those accidentally on purpose deals. So they could be down to three healthy defensemen here. Well, this is where it really comes down to, why did you get Kimo Timonen? I don't know how much that's been brought up on your show, but now it's the time to bring it up. Why did you get Kimo Timonen? You got Kimo Timonen because he's played in the Stanley Cup final. He's a proven player internationally, five Olympics with Finland. He played very well in the Olympics last year. Obviously, he's had some issues with his health this year with the blood clotting. But if you went out there to get him to be a player for you, now you got to play him. And you don't play him four or five or six minutes. you got to play him normal. He's not used to that. He's a guy that's used to run with a long leash. If you got him for a reason playing for a reason that's a good point pierre but it seems that based on when they did play him that either joel quenville or the staff they they don't trust him they don't think but he they can don't play, play more him the than right five way minutes. but they, you got to deploy the player the right way that'd be like me okay here here's how i would equate that that would be like me running a team and acquiring max patch from montreal and when i get him telling him oh by the way i don't like your the way you score goals so you're going to become a checker because I see what your plus-minus was, and so you're going to be a penalty killer and a checker for us this year, okay? I don't need you to score any goals. I want you to get goal scoring out of your repertoire. So with Kimo Timon, when you get him, you're getting a guy that's used to playing over 22 minutes a game, being on your first penalty kill, and being in matchup situations against the other team's top players. But then you bring him in here, and all of a sudden he's playing – four to six to eight minutes a game, and it started to decrease. It went started at 13, went down to 11, then it went down to nine, I think, and then eventually got down to like six or seven minutes a game. <laughs> what, do you, what kind of message are you sending to the guy? Oh, by the way, we don't think you're very good, so you can't play for us. So, so Stan Bowman went out and got him, expecting him to play if they needed help, if they, if they ran into some issues that they're running into. And what, Quenville doesn't believe that what he's seeing is good enough? 
Like, the, so there, is there a oh, disconnect? I don't know. Is no, there a disconnect? A well, that's, is, that's is, a different story. I mean, Mike Kitchen changes the defense, not Joel Quenville. That's a different story. Um, I, you know, again, I, I've stood in Mike's shoes before. Everybody questions some of your decisions, but you're the guy that has to make those decisions. I'm sure he does it in concert with, with Joel Quenville. They're very, very good friends. Um, but again, now that you're in this situation, if you're going to ask me your most critical game of the year, who would you prefer to have in the lineup playing a lot? Dale, uh, John, uh, Runblad, Runblad or, or Kimo Timonen? I know who I want. Kimo Timonen. Guy that's been down that road before, exactly. Since we're talking about defensemen, uh, this is a type of play that'll happen a dozen times during an NHL game. What is the best way for defensemen to hold the blue line when the opposition is attacking them with a lot of speed through the neutral zone? Well, you got to have support from your forwards, but you also have to have it starts earlier than that. It starts with good gap control, obviously, earlier. So take away space, and you know you've got insulation from your forwards coming back. So that if you do make an aggressive play, um, there's somebody there to help you out. So that's the best way, but it doesn't just start at the blue line. It starts before that in your pre-neutral zone read. Blackhawks went back to a Brian Bickle after it was kind of a half-coach decision, half he was battling vertigo. Uh, any 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 reason as to what you could point to to why he struggled so much in the playoffs this year compared to what he did uh, when they won the Cup a couple years back? Uh, no, because there were parts of this playoff where he actually was pretty good. In the National Series, he wasn't bad. Uh, the Minnesota series, he wasn't terrible. Um, and then it got a little bit more physical, obviously, in the Anaheim series. And then he got injured and wasn't really normal. And I could tell you, he, he made the point right away. He played one shift from the second period on in, in Game 7 in Anaheim. And then obviously didn't start Games 1 and 2 down in Tampa. They put him back in for Game 3 last night. Uh I don't know, Mitch Gallo, except to say that he needs to be a little bit more urgent. One of the things I would try to do is move Patrick Sharp up. You know, Mitch asked me about him before, and I would get try to get Sharp up with Brad Richards and get him up there with Patrick Kane, let those guys do some damage. I think that would be the lifeline that Patrick Sharp needs, because right now he's just he's lost. He's got thousand yard glare going. He has no clue where he's at. Yeah, it's he hard. It's do something to stimulate him. Hard to imagine a home game in Chicago, and as much as he's struggling, that Patrick Sharp would end up playing eleven minutes. Well, that's what I mean. You got to get him out there. Um, now, again, they may know different things about injuries that we're not privy to, and so you got to be very careful when you start saying you got to do this, you got to do that. There's some guys that are hurt, and maybe some more minutes. Now, I don't think Patrick is one of those guys, Patrick Sharp, that is. I interviewed him before the game last night, and I asked him about his game two performance, and he says, listen, I know I wasn't very good, and i got to be better, but i got to let that go and, and move on and concentrate on tonight, meaning last night in game three. So, but one of the things I try to do with a guy like that is a scorer. you got to try to show uh, you know, that you got confidence in him and, and throw him a lifeline. I think one of those lifelines is, is getting him up there with Brad Richards and Patrick Kane. But the Taves line is going to come on the ice now because it's been a long shift for Hedman and Strawman. Callahan, he scores! Ryan Callahan with a roof shot that becomes the first goal of the game, 5-0-9 in. Against the New York Rangers, Tampa Bay used a stretch pass and a power play, and Ryan Callahan scored on a breakaway. Here's Victor Hedman with the stretch pass to get to Ryan Callahan and a howitzer high glove side over Corey Crawford. Pierre, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out in a couple of seconds here with your conversation after the game with Ryan Callan, but it, but isn't it interesting? And we're back to where we were 
uh, talking about why there's a reason why you play a seven-game series. Ryan Callahan was struggling offensively, certainly through the Montreal series. And, and here we are, and now we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup final, and you see how important he is. And he's scoring. And there was a guy that had appendicitis and had to have emergency appendectomy surgery. So it's not like he's just coasted through these playoffs. It hasn't been easy. But there you go. Um, he's a proven player. As you like to tell people, the question is scoring at 29 goals one year playing for the Rangers. He had 52 one year playing for Guelph Stars. So I, I had over 50 goals in major junior hockey in one season. It's not like I don't know how to score. He knows how to score. That was a beautiful shot that he scored on, by the way. Again, I still think Corey Crawford's got to stand up there. It's a one-on-two, um, and it's it's a relatively routine. It should be a routine save if he stands up and is on the angle, but he went down early and he got beat. But Callahan's a useful player, boy. He's a very important player for this team, and the job that they've done with Cedric Paquette and JT Brown, talking about Ryan Callahan, that line's been very, very good. Very, very good the whole series against Chicago. All right, final one, Pierre. Uh, there's a story making the rounds. I don't know if you've seen it. The uh, chairman of NBC Sports, Mr. Lazarus, is that his name? Mark, Laz- Mark Lazarus, yes. Has he made a suggestion? Are you aware of a suggestion that he made to the National Hockey League that he'd prefer to see uh, NHL players without their playoff beards? <laughs> I'm not aware of this, no. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a that's a story that's being reported. That. Uh, who? Uh, various news outlets. It's all over the place here. Well, Mr. Lazarus was uh, was at the game last night. He flew in with Commissioner Bettman, uh, and I know they flew back last night to New York. Yeah. So, so if if Gary I'm Bettman, not, I'm, not if, aware, I'm not aware of that. If Gary Bettman's whispers in your ear at some point, Pierre, in the off season, what, what do you think? You know, we'd like to sell these guys. Some of them are good looking, and their faces get covered up with these big, long, dark beards. What do you think we we tell them to shave during the playoffs what would you say not my business oh come on pierre stand up to the commissioner and say stay out of this that's what i, I want you to it's not my, it's not my <laughs> business i could tell somebody how to wear their facial hair if i was running a team that'd be different but i'm, I'm working on a television station i'm not telling somebody how to take how to groom it's not my job <laughs> if i was running yeah. a team have you ever me. had a beard have you ever had a you ever had a yeah, beard I got I got cut a few times when I was playing, and I had to grow uh, some facial hair. Oh, yeah, to cover up the nicks and stitches well, I and that? shave because I had sutures and stuff. Oh, man, yeah. Well, it's a good thing you, uh, you you gave up your playing career, huh, so you could be a TV star. There you go. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? <laughs> I don't know yet. Oh, the day Not is fun. young. It's only 425 in Chicago. Yeah, I don't know yet. I have no idea yet. It's oh, been one of those crazy kind of cuckoo days. A happy hour in Chicago. What am I going to do? <laughs> I know what I'd be doing. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This has been a fantastic run this playoff season. It's been long, though, Mitch. Yeah, this I know. Has been one of my, this has been one of my longest ones. I'm, I'm kind of getting edgy to get home. Yeah, it's <laughs> Well, you can see the finish line, though, right? At least you can see the finish line. I don't know about that. I, I, we got a long way to go still. I really do. I'm, I, you know, I, I hear these. You know, I listen to different people talking, and I read different things. And I'm like, man, I don't know if enough of these people have watched Chicago enough. You know, everybody's now they don't have it anymore. They're down bodies. They're they're worn out. Taze doesn't have the same jam. I'm like, okay. Here we go again. We will talk again uh, when you're at the rink prior to Chicago evening up the series in Game 4 tomorrow. Oh, listen to that. There's a man that's motivated. You're motivated for, what, more games? 
<laughs> no, because I think that's what's going to happen. I think there are too many well, guys looking for goals that are due. I'm, we're on the same page. Totally agree with you, my friend. Thanks, Pierre. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, you've been around a long time. Explain how resilient this group is. Yeah, we, we've done it all by us. Uh, we have the character in the room, the belief in us that, that if we get down or we're having a tough period that we can come back, and then we showed it again tonight. On the game-winning goal, you made a play with your skates. Were you expecting the defenseman to pinch down, or did you know he was going to back off? At first, I, I felt to mommy. I took a quick peek before I got the puck, so I backed off and had a, a little bit of time. With your team going forward, they're a young group. Not a lot of them have played in this building in the playoffs. How do you make sure on the off days they don't get a little ahead of themselves? You know, we have a very mature young group, and I think you've seen that throughout the playoffs. You don't got to say much to these guys. Uh, they've come up big in big moments, and I expect the same. Ryan, when you came over from the New York Rangers, did you ever think it would be like this? I don't know. I'm really enjoying it right now. It's been a fun ride this year. Uh, family's enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Can't get any better than this. Congratulations on your great play. We'll see you on Wednesday night for Game 4, Ryan. Thanks, Pierre. Melnick in the afternoon. Listen live weekdays from 3 to 7 on TSN 690.